Orale. Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFB podcast. We are on YouTube. We're Familia. Please make sure to give us a subscribe because you know what? Do it for us because it's Cinco de Mayo. Yes, Cinco de Mayo. Remember, everybody, anybody who's out there, if you're if you're not Latino, remember one thing. Independent Mexican Independence Day. It was a battle against France. Mexican Independence Day is September 16th. Another reason to go drink and drink drink uh, Mexican beer, which I've got one here. Salud. Uh, but everybody, please make sure to give us a like and subscribe. And we're a proud member of the Fantasy Points Media Group. So make sure you're entering the promo code FAMILIA22. Or if you're doing it in Spanish, FAMILIA22. Get 10% off your subscription of Fantasy Points where you get, I mean, the NFL Prospect Guide. We're going to be talking about rookies right here, and you're going to have some of the best analysis anywhere from NFL Films' Greg Cosell. He's he's still dropping some uh, great content from some of the best fantasy minds anywhere. You got John Hansen, Graham Barfield, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, Tom Wes Huber, and amigo of the show, Edwin Porras. You get strengths, you get weaknesses, you get transition to the NFL, you get everything. You get the subscription where uh, to fantasypoints.com where you get some of the best analysis in season where you know for a redraft, uh, DFS, everything. You've got it all. So again, Familia 22, Familia 22, get your subscription, get that promo code. Uh, so otra vez. Feliz Cinco de Mayo, familia. We survived the NFL draft, so salute to all of us for uh, not letting the hype. Do. You know, we had some great landing spots, some not so great landing spots. Uh, Jahan Dotson. Uh, so I thought I'd bring in a couple of return guests, some buen amigos to the show who who have been nails on their draft coverage. Uh, starting out, I'm gonna. I'm not shy, familia about saying that I have voice envy from uh, a few people, and this is one of them. He's maybe the 101. Uh, he has been in fuego with his own coverage on The Lateral Show. He's a writer, editor, sound god for Fantasy Pros as and the newest member of the Devi Royale. Bienvenido to, remember that accent, Herms. Herms. Cece. <laughs> yes. Oh. Dude, thank you so much for having me on this show. So much to go over. Man, the whole draft. The three days of just a whirlwind. Crazy stuff. And like honestly, even some of the undrafted free agents, like the rookies signing those deals after the draft. So much to go over. So much to go over. I'm so excited. Oh, oh So on fire. So on fire. Yeah, I tell you. And our next guest is also, he is, I mean, he's so cool that Howie Roseman asked to take pictures with him. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he's that he's that guy. He's also one he's also the guy that he listened to to finally draft a linebacker. Not not uh, you know, a couple of podcasters that we talked about, but uh yeah, you know what? He he did listen also when he said when this guy said, "Get me a wide receiver." He he went out and got him AJ Brown. He's the co-host of the Champions Round with Amiga of the show, Steffi Smalls, and he's a contributor in between media. We know him as Eagle Dan FF, but you know what, familia? He is El Buen Amigo, Dan Turner. Bienvenido, Dan. How are you? Good, good. You know, it's it's wonderful to, to, to be here. Uh, como estas a todos? Uh, you know, it's great. You know, we all survived the draft. We all had got that draft hangover. Uh, and I, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, rehashing it with a couple of really good friends of mine on, uh, on Cinco de Mayo. So I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be. So let's get on with this and let's do it. And, 
I'm I'm toasting you, mis amigos. I'm toasting you because it's it's a great day. Uh, you know, I'm wearing my Team Mexico hat from uh, the World Baseball Classic. So, uh, you know, salute to you. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's Cinco de Mayo, and, and it's just a little bit of a background on on today. Today means a lot to the Familia FFP podcast because not only is it Cinco de Mayo, but it's also the two year anniversary of when we launched this show. This is episode two hundred and fifty two. It was kind of like a you know <laughs> a, a a fun COVID project. So as as we all remember, where we were two years ago, and uh, you know what. A couple of my primos wanted to jump on to, you know, kind of talk and argue, fam, you know, fantasy football. It, I mean, it's just, I, you know, it's been a blast. I've been able to make a lot of friends in the industry to these, these two amigos are, are two of them, but yeah, it's crazy to think it, it, that local, muy, muy local to, to think that we're here 252 episodes and you know what ain't going because you know now the folks in fantasy pros uh believed in us to, to have us join the fantasy points media group but man it's it's awesome and uh you know dan it you know i touched on it a second ago i know your feet haven't have hardly touched the ground after the draft so i wanted to start with you what was it like uh, that you liked the most about the draft for uh starting specifically with your beloved eagles um, so there are a couple of things that I really liked about the, uh, the draft. Uh, uh, as most people know, we had three first-round picks going into the draft. So we took one of them and, and you know, moved it on to next year, which was uh, supposed to be, like, a more talented class than this year. So that's a move I really liked uh, with the Saints. Um, and then, you know, trading one of the other first-round picks for A.J. Brown was something I didn't see coming, honestly. It was, it was phenomenal. It was, it was awesome. It gives the Eagles, you know, their best receiver since T.L. back in 2004. Uh, and, 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 you know, pairing Brown with, with Devontae Smith, that's, you know, that's something that we haven't had in Philly in a long time. And that's a really good wide receiver group, if ever, honestly. Uh, so it'd be really exciting to see, you know, it, it's time for, you know, to see what Jalen Hurts is made of now. He has no more excuses. You know, he has, uh, you know, one of the best lines in the league, a really good receiving core and good running back. So it, it's, it's on him to, to lead us, you know, we, we go as well as, as, as high as he does now. So I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited that for some godforsaken reason, Nakobe Dean fell to round three for us to scoop up because that was just insane that he fell that far. I mean, even you know if he had like you know missing a leg, I think he thought he would go higher than the third round. But you know, overall, uh, I think we just did a really solid job. We didn't try to be cute. We didn't draft Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson again. So I was really happy about that. So just overall, a really solid uh, job by the Eagles and Howie Roseman. Yeah, that one was uh, Nakobe Dean. I remember when they showed him on uh, the, you know, they showed highlights of him after. It's like he was. It looked like he was going at a different speed than everybody else, which was mm -hmm. just. I I was like, how did this guy last till this to this point? So I couldn't believe it. But yeah, hey, hey, did they hit every? Did they hit every note for you? Um, no. I think you know there's still some questions on in in the secondary. We need a. a, mm. a a CB2 across from Darius Slay, and we could use an upgrade at pretty much at both safety spots. Um, we did sign an undrafted uh, rookie from Middle Tennessee State, uh, Reed Flackenship, who had a draftable grade, but I, I would have liked to have, you know, a more of a veteran presence uh, in the back end. And obviously you can't, you know, fill every single hole, uh, but I wish we had done a little bit more uh, to do the in the secondary than we did. Yeah. Herms, Herms. So I want to find out. Uh, 
Yeah, Kenny Pickett leading off, which that I mean, and then it was just a Grand Canyon until until the quarter until the quarterbacks kept going. But I want to know, did uh, what did you what did you think that about the Steelers draft? Um, you know, did you number one? Did you like that Kenny Pickett pick? And you know, with two wide no offensive linemen, you know, picked in the draft. Are you, were you okay with that? Yeah, I mean, I will say, uh, like, during night one, I was <laughs> really not that thrilled about the Kenny Pickett selection, because I was just like, well, what are you doing? Is this like, up at the ceiling? Uh, we could have had Malik Willis. Oh, God. Just out here, just sounding like a whiny Jerry Seinfeld about it. And then, <laughs> like, you realize, oh, what? No quarterbacks in the second round? Okay, this is weird. Okay, All right, now we're into the third. Oh, Oh, so that's what the NFL thinks of these quarterbacks. And, for, you know, I, I'm i not going to, you know, question their judgments. I mean, like, all 32 of these teams have entire staffs of people whose only job it is to watch these players, evaluate them. and You know what I mean? So, like, if Kenny Pickett is the one that was worthy of a first-round pick, then who am I to question the NFL? At that point, I'm like, okay, I get it whatever totally fine i mean he has a perfectly safe floor in my opinion whereas you know the range of outcomes for all the other quarterback prospects i mean we knew that it was going to be a little weird either you know because for example malik willis who i kind of was hoping they were going to end up taking but clearly didn't best case scenario it's like okay well he's got this rocket arm he's incredibly fast but there's also a world in which he washes out of the league in three years if he can't figure out some of the decision making so it's like i get it pickett is a guy that you know you walk in he's like i don't know maybe like a realistic assuming he doesn't hit his absolute ceiling for potentials like andy dalton or something like that like cincinnati andy dalton not the Andy Dalton we've seen the last few years <laughs> and, but like you know like that's not bad you know, and I think honestly, my favorite part of the draft is like not only George Pickens, but also Calvin Austin. I mean, like the receiver core is something that I was really hoping they were going to be able to address because after Juju Smith Schuster left and after Ray Ray McLeod left and James Washington ended up moving on, you know, and especially it's something that I think a lot of fantasy football diehards get, you know, a little messed up in their head. It's just like, well, what do they need some of that for? I mean, they got Deontay Johnson. They got Chase Claypool. It's like, yes, but it's a wide receiver core. It is a core of players because after that, I don't know. Like, I got to say, and we're going to talk about it as we, you know, keep going on, but like George Pickens specifically, that selection just, you know, it's so on brand for the Steelers to take a chance on a guy like that. And I am absolutely here for it. You know, and just to, you know, to wrap up my thoughts, at least as far as the offensive line stuff goes, I feel okay with how it was addressed in last year's draft in terms of guys that were going to take time to develop and then also some free agent acquisitions including james daniels formerly of the chicago bears he should be fine you know he's a guy that i think very highly of he's still incredibly young for somebody that's been in the league for four years so it's like yeah you know i think they'll it's it's a long-term solution for the offensive line it's not something that needed to be fixed right now right away but enough steps have been taken to the point where I mean, the defense was already really good. They made some good signings to bolster that, and all the draft did was just make the offense better. So I'm here for it. I think Pickett has a good chance to possibly beat out Mitch Trubisky in camp for the starting job, and if not, maybe by November or something, we get to see what the rookie has in store. 
That's that's probably. I mean, I'm very intrigued by him, and and we'll talk about him in a second because of where he's falling in rookie rankings is just adios mio. It's uh, it's plenty local, plenty local. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? We got uh, we got a couple bits of news that I want. I'd love to get your guys' reaction to it. Uh, first, Hopkins getting a six game uh, suspension for PEDs. Um, uh, you know. Who do we see stepping up uh, to kind of take a more prominent role? Is it going to be Hollywood, Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz, AJ Green? Yeah, you know, Dan, you got any ideas on this one? Yeah, I do. Um, well, obviously, I mean, the obvious answer is obviously Hollywood Brown because you know it, it was fortuitous that they traded for him, and then like five minutes later, you know, Hopkins goes out, so he'll easily be the number one receiver there. Um, but I think uh, someone that you know that was actually just drafted was Trey McBride. And that's someone that isn't, you know, being talked about a lot. Uh, but I think that he could actually be the biggest beneficiary about this because, you know, you can start him uh, right away. You know, you can have him and Ertz in the, on the field at the same time. Uh, he's really a, the most athletic tight end in the, in the draft. Uh, so I think that, you know, with the draft capital that he got and how high they picked him, and I was surprised because, you know, they had just resigned Ertz to a, a, sort of a pretty decent deal. Uh, and then to still go ahead and take McBride, it, it, it tells me that, you know, they have a plan for him. They have a plan, you know, to get him on the field early. Uh, and not having Hopkins is probably accelerates that and, and he gets on the field, you know, even earlier than we probably thought. You got any ideas, Herms, on, the, on this one? I mean, we saw it plenty when they were both at Oklahoma in college. I mean, Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown. I mean, that's we already know it works. <laughs> so I, mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't see why anything. Well, I mean, obviously, it's been you know a few years since they played together, but like. Yeah, I mean, they were great once upon a time. Like the fact that there's already a working relationship between the two of them. I mean, I can't imagine so much time has passed from when they last played together and now that they don't like the the physical rapport and being able to read what the other person's doing. Like, I don't know. You know, it's just like you know, like if I go over to one of my buddies' house that I used to be in a band with, you know, like a few years ago, like. It, if we sit down, pick up our instruments, and start playing one of our songs, we're going to remember how it goes. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's been a while, but that's still drilled into the back of your brain there. I think it'll be perfectly fine. That trade, and like you said, Dan, I mean, like, honestly, just, like, the timing, just, oh. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, it's unfortunate, you know, for, especially because, I mean, I, I'm beginning to get a little bit concerned about how much longer Cliff Kingsbury has his job because, you know, it's been a lot of, you know, start the season super well and then things kind of just fall off. And it's like, oh, gosh, well, what are they, you know, I mean, they, everything they had to do to even bring in Kyler Murray because you had to flush the Josh Rosen pick down the toilet. You had to completely, you know, revamp the offense, do all this stuff. I mean, like time's, you know, kind of running out for you there, buddy. I mean, hey, you got to get this show rolling. But Mm -hmm. Before, yeah, I'm not going to go too much deeper into that, but all that aside, Hollywood Brown, just excellent addition for that offense, excellent addition for Kyler Murray, and hopefully that makes him happy enough to want to show up to camp. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I do love the Hollywood Brown pick, and you and you guys nailed it. I think I think it's going to be him. I don't, I don't see anybody else. Ertz did, ha- I will say, Ertz did have a good connection with him uh, for part of the season, so he might get some of that underneath stuff that uh, – that um that that might have gone to d hop so i'm looking for that one a lot um a couple of you you know undrafted free agents udfas uh carson strong going to the eagles dan what's uh thoughts thoughts on that one is that is that one intriguing that one just happened today 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. I didn't. Uh, well, one, it was a surprise that he wasn't drafted at all. I, I feel like even if you know the all, all, as Herms mentioned, a lot of teams you know were down on these quarterbacks. The fact that you know he wasn't even worth a seventh round pick by somebody is is really surprising. Um, I think that you know if it, you know we all know about his knee problems, how his knees basically you know held together by duct tape at this point uh, in life. But you know if the if if medical gets cleared. Uh, you know, you can bring him along. You have Minshew, you have Hurts. You know, this guy was, he has the talent to be, you know, a starting quarterback. He does. In terms of talent alone, uh, you know, he, he can throw it all over the field. You know, he's a good decision maker. He had a, he has to transition from the air raid offense of, of uh, Nevada to like the pro game. But I think, you know, this is a situation where, you know, you can bring him along as a number three. Uh, and, you know, when he's ready, if you need him to, uh, to get him, you know, he, I'm not saying, you know, he has a chance to be like an L pro or something because he was undrafted, but, you know, it, as far as you know, shot being shots taken on quarterback, which, as we all know, is the most important position in the league. You know, there's nothing uh, wrong with you know taking a shot at him as the number three quarterback and see what he has has to offer us. Oh, I love it. I love it. And Herbs, you got any any thoughts on that one? I mean, he's a tall guy with a rocket arm. Why not? You know, it. And I did see that. And I, I don't know if the details have changed since I last saw this information, but I think they. What was it like a three hundred thousand dollar like base salary, like a twenty k signing bonus? Like, mm -hmm. if I recall, whatever the source was for that information, I think it's like the largest UDFA deal that yeah. has like ever happened. So it's like, I mean, that kind of says something at the very least. It, it could be interesting, you know, I mean, we see these types of players, you know, every few draft cycles where it's just like, you understand, like the prototypical size, the prototypical arm, and then, you know, the rest is so much up in the air. And, and most of the time, these guys don't achieve very much. But I mean, there's something to be said for a player that can work his butt off to be able to stick around holding a clipboard for the next however many years. So, I mean, even if that's all he ever does, I mean, like, that's that's a paycheck. That's success. So Chase you know, Daniel, Chase Daniel, Matt Moore, those guys. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, hey, you know what? Like more power to him. You know, I I don't know that he ever becomes a starter, but you know, it, and it's something that I like to say all the time, especially when it comes to you know like fantasy football stuff. Like I love being wrong because when I'm wrong, it means that a human being has achieved their dreams. And they are successful. So, like, you know, there's nothing better in the world than being wrong about a football player achieving their dreams. So, like, more power to them. I hope it works out. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, next one is Justin Ross. I mean, another player with injury concerns. And uh, some doctors have said that he shouldn't play. And, he, and the Chiefs took a chance on him, which makes me just – fired up uh, about the possibility and i mean you know he's he's someone that we could be talking about tonight uh he is in the top 50 on rookie rankings on fantasy pros what uh herms what do you think thinking on that one you could you take a late round flyer on him i mean if it's one of my last picks and i'm somebody picking toward like the very end or something like maybe but even then i would prefer to take justin ross off of the waiver wire and just assume that he's not going to get drafted in a rookie draft because it's like i don't want to be the person even if it is like a third or a fourth round rookie pick to just flush it straight down the toilet you know like and not to say that selecting justin ross is necessarily doing that but it's 
more likely to be a waste than it would be for some of these other players without some sort of, you know, neck fusion spine surgery. You know what I mean? Like, it's either going to go super well or he's never going to do anything. Anything in between? I don't know if there is anything in between, to be perfectly honest. The range of outcomes really is that big because of the severity of the injury. You know, like, I, you know, heard whispers that there were some teams that would even be worried about the liability for letting him play football if anything happened to him. It's true of every athlete that you're only one hit away from your life changing. But when you have that much of a greater added risk already baked in, I don't know. I... He's such a curious case. I, I'm probably not going to touch it. That's just my thing. But I don't blame anybody who does because, you know, there were certain times there. And, and it wasn't even just that. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, he had COVID that kept him out for, you know, a vast yeah. majority of one season. And then I, I can't remember what the other injury was. But, you know, it, it's not the only thing that's ever kept him off the field. But if he's anything like he was when he was catching passes from Trevor Lawrence, you know, a couple of years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, like, dude, I mean, this guy, when everything's right, he's a baller. So we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see. How about you, Dan? Are you are you apt to take a chance on him? Uh, no, um, and I'm not a doctor or whatever, but I don't think that he should play. I think that. No, I think that. You know, having that kind of defect that he has in his neck, like obviously nowhere on your spine is is, a, is you know a good place to have you know to be injury prone, but to like to have the bones fuse in his neck, like and the fact that you know guys don't take headshots in the league, they do, they take headshots, so I just don't want him to you know, be so focused on his dream. And I know it's, uh, you know, I'm not saying, you know, give up on your dream. I just think like long-term, if he gets hit the wrong way, like it's not going to be like, you know, just like a broken, like a torn ACL or something like that. The neck area is a serious thing. Like we all know that. So I I would rather he didn't play. I I would feel better. Um, I won't be taking a chance on him because I, I I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that, you know, he, he'll hold up, um, and part of me doesn't want him to. Part of me wants him to decide, you know, that, like you know, his health is more important, and and you know, and 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 leave the game like playing, active playing. But uh, but I I won't uh, take a chance on him. I know, like like Herm said, I don't blame anyone that does. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, the 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 Justin Ross that we got from Klinsman in his freshman year, when he had a thousand yards, you know, and he was going to be you know, wide receiver one in all of fantasy, you know, that guy just doesn't exist anymore. And I know people, you know, wish that he was, but he's just not that player. Um, I, don't, I don't think he can be. And it's not through any fault of his own. Um, but, you know, he he's a, you know, it's a really popular name. Uh, it worries me that he wasn't drafted at all. Uh, and, and like, and, and some teams are even worried about liability, like, like Herm said. So I, I won't personally be um, drafting him. Yeah, I, I like I like Terms' idea of you know maybe grabbing him off the waiver wire. You got you've got your four you know you've got your picks in the fourth round, and then you know if you got an extra taxi or something like in the dynasty rankings, grab him there and redraft. Definitely, you know he's 
I mean, we're, we're going to see the whole summer come through and then see what happens to, to him, to his uh, ADP when it comes to uh, the redraft side. But, um, you know, today we're talking about guys that are, you know, that are higher ranked, uh, you know, right now, I mean, Ross, I think he's uh, number 43 on pros, but uh, we're talking about rookie rankings and, you know, I, I've intentionally avoided uh, a lot of NFL coverage, uh, a lot of NFL draft coverage. Herms, you can't. Herms, you and uh, you and Bo gave were great when we talked a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, free agency. And uh, no, I'm sorry. The when we talked about the uh, the NFL Combine reactions, mm-hmm. and Jeff Bell came on to talk about that, and uh, you know, and, and and about his early NFL dra- draft rankings, which you know he and I talked it back on February 1st, which. Uh, a lot of those really stayed the same last week. And, you know, Dan, you've had so much, you got to go to the senior role and everything, but so let's kind of start with kind of the top 10 rankings a little bit. Uh, again, this is fantasy pros, rookie rankings. Brees Hall is the consensus. Number one, uh, you know, Herms, I'm going to start with you. Who would you have as his biggest competition or is he kind of alone on his tier? I mean, it it's it's pretty much him, you know. I mean, maybe you could make the case for Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver that ended up going to the Jets. I mean, I he's such a versatile guy that he can line up all across the formation. And they're like, I, honestly, just real quick, pulling over the car because yeah. you know both players on the Jets, the Jets. Wow, <laughs> like, dude, yeah. what a what a draft they had. Sheesh, <laughs> I mean, incredible, but. Anyhow, pulling the car back onto the road. Like, uh, yeah, it's such a bizarre class that I think if you are settled, like, you know, saddled with that first pick, it behooves you to take what is probably the safest asset of all of them. Because for as much as people really enjoyed what Michael Carter brought to the table when healthy last year, he was only ever the B back in a committee at North Carolina with Javante Williams. And, you know, it was well within the realm of possibility that either through free agency or the draft, like they did, they were going to bring in another piece to that backfield. It's part of the reason that I ended up trading every single Michael Carter share I had in dynasty before the draft, because I kind of, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I felt the potato getting hot in my hand. So I passed it off to somebody else. He Brees Hall has all the skills of a three down back and with what should be a continuing uh, continuing to improve words are hard. What should be a better offensive line as time goes along with Mackay Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, previous investments that they've made with draft picks like I mean, they've really got something going. I think that, you know, if you're if you're somebody holding that first pick, the safest thing you can possibly do is that guy. I guess there are some of the wide receivers, his teammate I mentioned, you know, maybe if you really wanted to, you know, try and justify that, sure. But I think it's got to be Brees Hall. Oh, no. You're muted. Okay. Now it worked. Now it's working. Uh, Dan, who do you see as uh, Brees Hall's main main competition? Uh, Probably Traylon Burks. Um, I think I that it. I think that you know shipping AJ Brown out of there and then <laughs> immediately taking his replacement with the same pick. Uh, I think he has you know the least amount of uh, you know competition for for targets in, in that offense. Uh, you know Drake London is someone too, but he has Kyle Pitts. 
uh, Burks is already probably the the best receiver on the Titans offense. Um, I know Robert Woods is there, but you know he's getting older. He's coming off the injury, so I think that you know uh, with Burks there, and and they took Willis, so Burks and Willis can, you know, if Willis makes a and they you know grow up together, uh, and they have that connection. Uh, I think that you know I would agree that Brees Hall is the, is the one, but his biggest competition, I, I would I would take uh, Burks at one if I had to. I love the Burks talk because you're right. I mean, because when the when the NFL season comes around in September, Robert Woods is going to be about 10 months past his own ACL injury. So, I mean, that's kind of like at the very, very early part of when they might be ready. So he might be out and Traylon Burks might be, might be running unopposed for several weeks. So that's, that's a great one. I had Wilson just because the fact that, uh, if Zach Wilson takes that major step forward that sometimes quarterbacks take when they are when they are the real deal, uh, I think I think between him and Elijah Moore, special. But uh, I love, I, yeah, I love the takes. I love the takes all along. I mean, it, it, I, I, Brees Hall is going to be is is so good, but uh, it, you know, it's one of those things that you know when you're talking about dynasty to have one of those receivers that could be around for a long time, just too special, too too special. So, uh, you know, staying in the top ten, Dan, is there a player you think is getting a little bit overheated on the hype? Okay, so I didn't really like uh, this player a lot before the draft. Uh, and the landing spot was good. He had a good landing spot, but I just don't believe in him personally, and that's Drake London. Uh, I think um, London is uh, – a lot was made about it, like his separation issues and the contested catching uh, in college and stuff. So I just need to see him you know, translate that into the pros for me to, to believe in him. And he has, and Kyle Pitts is always going to be the number one uh, target there. I think as long as he's there, so he's already, uh, you know, starting at number two. Uh, and I don't know how good Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter is going to be, you know, a quarterback for them. So that that's also a, a question mark. I mean, uh, Ryan Tannehill isn't Patrick Mahomes, but at least you know you, you know what you're getting from him. So I think that you know having Drake London at number two in the rankings is, is a little bit high. You know, I take Wilson uh, over him. Uh, I take Burks. Uh, so I, I wouldn't drop him down too too much, but I think you know n- uh, number two is a little a little too high for uh, for Drake London. Yeah, I mean I love London, but man, man, that one's that that one seems that one seems a lot, you know, to be number two or number three on that one. It's uh, it's a big number. How about you, Herms? Uh, I'm, I I hate to be that guy, <laughs> but. The Sky Moore thing, I'm just do it. No, yeah. just oh, like no. I, I can't do it for many reasons. Uh, for I'll start at the top. Uh, replacing Tyreek Hill, quote unquote. There's no replacing Tyreek Hill. Like there are certain, like I, I, yes, I understand theoretically. You know, somebody has to replace the number one receiver, but this idea that the Chiefs' number one receiver is this premium thing like we don't actually know that because to replace Tyreek Hill is to find another transcendent game-breaking talent that can do the exact same thing and because I really don't see Sky Moore doing that the Chiefs offense is going to change it is going to look different we see it all the time with you know impact players leave and they have to rework the scheme of the offense to account for the fact okay, well, we don't have that guy to do that special thing anymore. 
And even then, I mean, it it's going to run through Travis Kelsey primarily. Yeah. That's going to be the first target in the offense. Then we look at other things they did this offseason. Well, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, yes, I mean, my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers, for some reason, he, he was never a yak guy. I don't understand why they ran him out of the slot for two seasons in a row, but I think the Chiefs aren't dumb enough to do that, and they're going to put him in a proper role. That's that's two guys. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, I mean, if you look under the hood of that three-year contract, it's really just like a one-year, like eight or nine million dollar deal. Yeah. But, you know, he's... He's done plenty, you know, like that's something too. And then also, assuming that backfield works out the way that I think it's going to, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire probably going to be somebody that's going to be in line as a pass-catching running back. Those are four players. Count them. Four. I got my finger. You know, I've had the fingers up the whole time to really illustrate that point, folks. Mm -hmm. Sky Moore has to work from there. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. Yes, it's 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 good draft capital. I'll give him that. He's a talented player. Analytically speaking, his profile... I, I get it. I understand the appeal. Sure. But that's that's a that's a tough road, you know? I I it wouldn't be that inconceivable for him to work his way above Marquez Valdez Scantling as the season evolves. Sure. You know, I mean I'm not the biggest believer in him in the world necessarily. I mean, you know, he's a you know, prototypical size and speed, sure, whatever, but you know, hands like bricks. Kelsey and Juju aren't gonna go anywhere necessarily. And if if the Chiefs had taken somebody in the first round with one of those, you know, picks and gone with a little bit more of one of those prospects I felt a little better about, or even if they had found a way to, you know, settle on, you know, George Pickens again, a name I'm going to bring up again. I'm going to bring up again, but like, I would feel better. I would feel better about it, but I don't know the, the prospect darling of Sky Moore going to the, you know, mystical, magical landing spot of the Chiefs. It feels entirely too good to be true. <laughs> and we're just talking ourselves into this being a thing. Oh, it's going to smash. It's absolutely going to be fabulous. What are oh, picking them, you know, middle of the first round, you know, toward the back. Like, no, 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 no. I, I'm not going to be that guy. I will probably end up with zero shares of Sky Moore. Not because I think he's horrible. Not because I think it's a bad landing spot, because obviously it's great. But, like, my enthusiasm is not going to be at the level of other people's. I just, I know that to be true. Yeah, number eight, that's just too rich for my blood. I'm, I'll take, I mean, uh, I don't think I'm picking, I don't think I'm picking before number eight. I'll let somebody else take the chance. Yeah. Um, you know, we got the second round. We're starting to see some running backs, James Cook, Rashad White, Damian Pierce climbing, you know, because of the draft capital and the landing spot. Uh, do you, do you, Herms, I'm going to start with you. Do you agree with these players being in this zone and would you move any of them up or down? I mean, it, some of these guys, so what really has me worried with these running backs, and this is something that, uh, my colleague at the Debbie Royale, uh, Kevin Coleman tweeted out earlier, if I remember correctly, this draft class is, it's a lot of guys that are going to be Michael Carter next year. You know, if we look ahead to the 2023 class, I mean, I know, it, I know we just got finished watching the 2022 draft. Herms, why are you talking about next year's class already? Because you have to think about these things. Those guys are incredible. A lot of those guys are absolutely incredible. So you have to be really sure that it like, honestly, like thinking of these guys as like one year investments for the most part, you know, I think James Cook may be being the best exception to that rule, however, it 
I guess I'm just going to go off from there and talk about him because he's the one that I picked. Uh, yeah, dude, and I've seen a lot of people make the case. It's like, oh, well, he's a little smaller. I don't know that he's going to be able to hold up as the workload because, you know, blah, 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 less than 200 pounds. It's like, what did, did he come in at like 199 or something? I mean, just like spot the guy a pound. Jeez, like what? It's fine, okay? It's totally cool. And him working in tandem with Devin Singletary is going to be fascinating. I'm not entirely sure how they're going to distribute that load early in the season, but it became apparent as time went along and Zach Moss continued to be a healthy scratch. It's like, okay, well, we gave up on that. Matt Breida was a blip on the radar for a little bit. Okay, you know, whatever. It's really, you know, and Devin Singletary was never really going to be built to shoulder that much of a load anyway. So, like, they're going to be an interesting compliments you know duo running out of one of the nfl's best uh, best offenses it's going to be a little bit weird for you know red zone opportunity because their goal line back is also their quarterback but i mean I, I feel best about him of any of them also you know let's not forget his brother's pretty good you know eh, shit, the, the the cook genes flash on that one yeah hey you know breaking the they're the Something's going, something's going right in that gene pool. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably the one honorable mention to Damian Pierce just because, I mean, like, you kind of just look at the Texans' backfield and you're like, ugh. So probably wouldn't be that hard for him to carve out opportunity, and opportunity is everything. Volume is volume and volume is king. But my long-winded answer, <laughs> the only one that I really feel good about having more than just a one-year impact would be James Cook. Love it. Love it. Yeah. He's about the same size as Austin Eckler. How about, how about you, Dan? Uh, well, you know, uh, Herms, you know, teed this up for me pretty well. I'm going to go with uh, someone that I, you know, watched at the senior bowl that he easily the best running back at the senior bowl. Uh, someone that I really like. And as Herms mentioned, he goes into the backfield where his primary competition is, you know, a 37 year old Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack who has one leg and it's Damian Pierce. Uh, you know, he goes into a really good situation where he can go in and immediately, you know, compete for, for snaps. I mean, there's really nothing in front of him that, that should stop him from starting, honestly. Uh, and and uh, I know that I understand the concern about, you know, these guys being, you know, Michael Carter uh, next year. But I think that, you know, even if the Texans were to use a high pick on a running back next year, I think Pierce would still have a role. Uh, going forward anyway i think you know he he's a tremendous athlete everyone wants to complain about you know how, how he never you know had as many carries as other running backs at florida and i'm just saying well that means he has less tread on his tires doesn't it so he's healthier and he, and he's fresher than every other running back that's coming out and that's how i see it uh so i think you know just because he didn't do it at florida doesn't mean he can't uh you know i, I think that you know he was you know he was pass blocking better than some offensive linemen at the senior bowl uh, so, you know, you know, pass blocking is how you get on the field as a rookie and he's going to do that. So, and that's something that we have to consider too. You know, he has, he can, you know, catch the ball. He, he has good vision. Uh, so I really expect him to, to be uh, up there uh, come, you know, come draft time. And to have him at 16 in tier four is, is a little uh, too low for me. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I made him probably higher on him than, than other people, but I move him at least five spots higher. I, I I'm I'm with you. I, he is one of my you know after honestly after Holland Walker, I think I might have Pierce as my next as my next favorite guy because he's just the opportunity because of the opportunity and I love his running style, love mm. love love his running style. I, I think it's uh, a friend of the our amigo of the show Bo McBrayer. Uh, he compared it to Marion Barber and I just I, I just right on just 
right right on mm-hmm. uh i don't love the one thing i don't love Rash- i think rashad white might be a little overheated because i think leonard fournette's going to be in a very he's going to be the lead caballo the lead the bell cow running back in that one I, th- I think that just might be you know too much i think he might be coming down a little bit but uh one guy who i don't know if he, if it's right if he's coming down uh if he could come down it's the quarterback position. Kenny Pickett. Now we already talked about it a little bit with with Herms, but Dan, uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. have you lead off. Even in Superflex, are you tempted to take him higher than that? Uh, he's quarterback. He's he's number 18 overall in rookie drafts right now. Yes, that's the, the middle of the second round. I'm taking him in the back of the first round. I don't know what everyone is doing here that that he's that he's lasting until you know the, the middle of the second round in Superflex. I mean, I, I get it. Like the the quarterback class, you know, wasn't great, but you know, he got taken in the first round for a reason, you know. So it's you know he he steps in and and just look at this. He has Najee Harris, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Calvin Austin, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, all those guys, you know, throwing. That is literally the best situation that a quarterback has ever walked into as a rookie offensively. And everyone has you know some questions about the offensive line, but Kenny has shown that you know he can move around in the pocket and 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 deliver. So you know Pittsburgh knows how to develop quarterbacks. They know, they know what they're going they're going to do what they need to do to protect him. He should beat out Mitch Trubisky. So it's not like Mitch Trubisky is this giant you know wall that's going to stop him from starting because let's be honest, it's Mitch Trubisky. So I, I don't I don't you know if you're if you're going to tell me that I'm gonna I'm gonna you know be able to get Kenny. Pickett in the middle of the second round. I'm drafting him every single draft I'm in, every single one, and thanking people and saying, "All right, cool, see you later." You know that that's a gift. He should be uh, at least, at the very least, a late, you know, one ten to one twelve first round pick at the very least. And the fact that he isn't is just insane to me, insane. Ooh, ooh, I'm, I'm I'm getting I'm getting all overheated down here on the other coast. How about you, uh, Herms? You want to? clean up on that one yeah and you know we talked a little bit about it before you know we hit the record button on this show so i'll just kind of reiterate a lot of those points with less colorful language we did this last year we we the mac jones that we did this we did and it was like oh well the ceiling's not very high and it's okay well he got first round draft capital and the biggest difference this time is that pickett was the only one with first round draft capital let alone the only person to be selected within the first two rounds. Okay, two, not just one, two. It is, oh my, and not even just him, but honestly, like all of these quarterbacks, just like the cost being so, so low because people are so afraid of it. They're all values. Whatever. In Superflex, this is the cheapest opportunity you have to acquire a quarterback. After this, it is incredibly expensive dealing away draft capital for, with future picks just to be able. I mean, I, you probably have to send you know a couple first rounders just to be able to get like a middling QB two for your superflex team. Why on God's green earth would you not take the only person who got day one capital? You're insane if you pass up on that opportunity. Kenny Pickett is a screaming value, and if people want to, you know, overlook it and just have him fall, fine. Let let them make that mistake because I guarantee you, if we have this same conversation looking at it a year from now, we're going to see a lot of people being like, "Oh, deals meal. Why did you know?" Like because it was just, 
can't do it. I can't. And, 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 and Dan, like you said, I mean, like, even without, like, screw it. Even with my homerism at play, I know how good the Steelers are. <laughs> yeah. I know how good those pieces are. And, you know, we look at what some of these, and especially, you know, Deontay Johnson over the course of his career, look at what he was able to do with, you know, Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, and two years of a noodle-armed senior citizen throwing mm-hmm. him the ball. I mean, like... We got a young guy that can actually move around, okay? Like, if I remember correctly, Matt Canada, when he was, you know, hey, offensive coordinator at University of Maryland, he tried to recruit Kenny Pickett. Like, this is not somebody that, like, the offensive coordinator is unfamiliar with. I mean, like, this, whatever. I don't know. I, I could keep going on about this forever. Forever. I could, I, I, I could honestly spend, like, 15 minutes just going off on even – more of a rant just just draft kenny pickett it's so dumb if you let him slide into the second round and if you are on the clock and he is in the second round you have to like honestly if you break your phone screen with a hulk-like force of you know that that hitting that draft button like i on your cell phone insurance should cover that honestly i think they would understand and i, I tell you yeah i can't i, I I can't see why he's why he's going to last into the second round. I really can't, especially in a super flex draft. The way the way quarterbacks are just so so valuable. No, I can't. No, no, no. You know, but and then there's the other quarterbacks that went in the thirty range. You got Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Corral. I, I know Herms. You were big big fan of Matt Corral there in, in that range. Uh, you know, I, I'm taking flyers. I mean, Matt Malik Willis at number twenty four. I'm grabbing him because. Because Tannehill is going to be, he's two years from free agency. He's a free agent after the 2023 season. Next year, he could be, uh, you know, if Malik Willis, if they see enough in him, I think, I think they could just, they could trade him because quarterbacks are being traded in these guys. I mean, Herms, I'm going to start with you. I, I mean, are these guys screaming values right now? Yeah, can, jumping off the, what we talked about with Pickett just now. I mean, unfortunately for me being the, you know, lone man on Corral Island, uh, he he went to the worst possible situation because, I mean, honestly, like Matt, Matt, well, in terms of just the uncertainty of the fact that Matt Rule is like clinging on to his job for dear life and at like the minute and I'm sure it's going to be week one. The minute Sam Darnold does something stupid and turns the ball over, you know, whatever, that crowd, you know, of people, you know, in Carolina, they're going to be chanting, you know, just throw in Corral, see what the rookie can do. You know, it's it's such an untenable situation. I mean, like, theoretically, you know, if Matt Rule does end up getting fired, you know, they make a interesting coaching hire or whatever, and the new regime decides they want to, you know, pick up where, you know, rule left off in the development of Matt Corral. That could be kind of cool. But like if rule loses that job, you know, whoever comes in after them, they, they have no obligation or connection to Matt Corral. So like, that is what makes that one a little tricky, but I will, I mean, Willis and Ritter are fascinating to me, particularly due to the fact that, you know, I mean, like we know what Tennessee is. We know the type of offense that they like to run. And then we look at Atlanta, you know, Arthur Smith, you know, the former offensive coordinator in Tennessee. You know, it's just like these are very, you know, similar type situations, similar type styles. And when we look at, you know, 
Ritter and Willis, and we look at the two starting quarterbacks of these couple teams, you know, Tannehill and Mariota, it's just like, well, these are like the perfect guys to be able to sit these players behind to learn from. Like, that's the cool part, whether or not Ryan Tannehill actually wants to, you know, teach Malik Willis. You know, that, that was a fun video. But like, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I was so unsure about Desmond Ritter in the pre-draft process. But one of my things was, you know, just like he's toolsy. It's clear that he's a very good athlete and it seems like he plays with a lot of heart. You know, I thought Tennessee was going to be a really good landing spot for him, but I mean, like going to it, it's, it's, it's NFC Tennessee. That's what Atlanta is. You know what I mean? Cause it's, it's, it's basically going to be the, you know, similar enough, you know, scheme and whatnot. They're both in great situations to be molded as toolsy guys sitting behind two quarterbacks who made it in the league, having to figure out how to overcome being toolsy. Like it, sure, honestly, wherever they end up going, just take the shot. Because if they don't work out, all you're doing is spending like what, like a late second round pick. And see, you know, like once you get out of the first round of a rookie draft, I mean, the hit rate on your draft picks aren't, you know, it, it significantly drops off from that point anyway. So it's just like, yeah, it's quarterback. It's the most expensive position after you know the rookie draft. So Take the shot now. If it doesn't work, you know, no harm done. So, Dan, you get we got Sam Howell going off at number 36. We haven't talked about him. He's at Washington right now. Mm -hmm. Is is he worth taking a flyer on? Intriguing. He's you know, he's got the legs, but love um, to hear your thoughts. Uh, it really depends on like if you're like in the, the like the third round. Uh yeah. I, I'd take a like a like in the super points, I'd take a shot. I mean, why not? Like uh, to Herm's point before, this is the cheapest you're ever going to be able to get a quarterback. So, I mean, right. it's not like he has, uh, you know, in terms of who's in front of him, I, I don't think Carson Wentz ranks, you know, really high up there on, on people that we should, like, worry about. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I just – I think that, you know, it was telling that he fell as far as he did. It, it shows what the league thinks of him. Uh, so that does concern me. I thought that he would go, uh, you know, he wasn't my favorite quarterback coming out, but I did think he would go a little higher, uh, than he did a lot higher actually. Uh, so the fact that he didn't do that, um, it, it, it gives me, it gives me pause. But like I said, if, if it's like in the, in the third round sometime and then I'm taking, you know, lottery tickets, I might as well, you know, take a shot at him and then see if he hits then great and have to worry about quarterback. Yeah, and he's got the Konami code with him. I think you know. I think he was up around a thousand yards rushing last year because he had to run for his life a lot of times when his receivers weren't open. So, uh, and you know, he has to pick. Out, he has to be who has been traded by each of his last two teams in the last two years. So, you know, the track record is there that there could be an opportunity. So, uh, mm -hmm. we'll. I, I did hear an interview with Ron Rivera where he was very emphatic and said that there was no quarterback competition, that Carson Wentz is the starter. So good. That gives him a, that gives Hal a year to learn and not have to, not, not have to be the guy or mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, Dan, in the 21 to 30 range, we've talked about the quarterbacks, but do you see any sleepers that are non quarterbacks in this range? Um, I like uh, Collier Sakir. Who went to Buffalo? Yes, uh, I think that you know, yeah, they, they, you know they have they have Crowder, uh, and, you know, and and Diggs, uh, and Davis, but I, I don't think uh, you know they're really married to to Crowder. I think uh, Shakir's uh, skill set works really, 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 really well with what Josh Allen does at quarterback. Uh, so uh, you know, he was you know the draft capital it's a little lower uh, than I than I wanted uh, him to be, but I think that. You know, I, I kind of like 
uh, compare him to, and, and I was reading this apparently, like kind of like a Russell Gage kind of, kind of guy. Someone mm-hmm. that isn't, you know, it's never going to be, you know, like a superstar and something, but he's just going to give you like consistent production. Uh, and I think that <clears throat> in that offense with that quarterback, that's someone that I'd, I'd love to take a shot on, uh, you know, where he's going in, in drafts, because I think the the upside for that for him is is really good. No, I love it. Love it. How about you, Herms? Any any sleeper here? I mean, honestly, it's, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo what Dan said because I mean, Khalil Shakir is perfectly designed to fill that slot role left behind by Cole Beasley and temporarily filled by Jamison Crowder. But I mean, you know, injuries have kind of you know derailed large portions of Jamison Crowder's career to date. He's only getting older, so I mean, long term, Khalil Shakir factors into that offense beautifully. Uh, but I mean, my guy that I really want to, you know, take the opportunity to talk about, you know, like, you know, I just got done talking about Atlanta, you know, it's, it's not just Desmond Ritter that has an interesting opportunity. It's running back Tyler Algier as well, because if you look at that depth chart, I mean, well, they already released Mike Davis. And then after that, it's 30 now 31 or 32 year old Cordero Patterson and Damian Williams. I liked Tyler Algier plenty. I mean, he was kind of just in like that, you know, like that that blob of like middle tier running backs. It's like, I don't know, we'll see where they land. And he that the path to relevancy is not really that difficult. I mean, there's very little resistance standing in his way to be able to find himself on the field. And he's, you know, I mean, former converted linebacker. I mean, you know, like you don't, a team doesn't ask you to play linebacker if you're tiny, you know, like, you know, and, and even like watching, you know, some, you know, footage in the pre-draft process. I mean, like you could tell like year one after being converted to a running back, I mean, he was still playing a little bit larger, but then year two, like two years out after being converted, I mean, like, you know, he reshaped his body to be able to be more, you know, to play the position that he was asked to play. But like, he's, He's a big guy, you know, he can do, you know, a little bit of everything, you know, doing like, I didn't mind his hands as a receiver. I think there were, there were a lot of people who, you know, thought that was one of his greater traits. I don't know that he's necessarily, you know, super great in that area, but he is definitely a capable pass catcher. And, you know, with that scheme that they run, you know, you're going to need a a bigger guy to be able to barrel through some folks. So like, I could definitely see Algier being pretty good. Although I will say just a little foreshadowing. He's not the only guy I feel really good about in terms of uh, somebody that can just waltz right in and maybe find relevance in a running back room, but I digress. I will save that for later. All right. Well, uh, I love Jalen Tolbert, his opportunity. He's number 23. The Cowboys don't have Mari Cooper anymore. You got Michael Gallup coming back from an ACL injury. Really, it's, you know, it's CeeDee Lamb and then a couple other guys. But uh, I know that James Washington's in there. But Tolbert, you know, productive receiver at South Alabama. I think he's uh, he's got an opportunity ahead of him to go forward, uh, get get some get some extra touches. Um, Herms, we got let's go to number 31 to 40. You know, Elijah Mitchell was going in this range last year, maybe even less. Uh, in here who is intriguing to you i mean i really like jelani woods a lot you know he's somebody that i talked about a lot before the draft and you know him landing in indianapolis i mean like it's just kind of like a weird carbon copy of mo alley cox so like i don't know that could be interesting you know but i mean i i don't know this I got to be honest, this is not a range of players that I feel particularly good about. 
there, I mean, it's littered with prospects that I thought would be interesting. You know, it's the flip side of the Algier coin. Like, there are guys here that I'm like, well, if they go to the right spot, this could be kind of neat. But I don't really know that a lot of them did. You know, I know it's kind of antithetical to the point of the question, but I will just volunteer the information of like Tyler Beatty going to Baltimore. I was just like, okay, well, we saw what happened with. I got duped by Justice Hill. Okay, like I remember that time. It was not that long ago. So just like remember how that felt and then kind of just apply the same logic here. Uh, Pierre Strong Jr., I do. I thought I, I loved him. You know, I really no. did. But I mean, like New England, I mean, because if I remember correctly, like he wasn't even the only running back they drafted. So it's just like that's going to be frustrating. And then like, I don't know, like the the next running back I'm like super enthusiastic about honestly doesn't appear on the fantasy pros list. I think until let's see the 69. So like that, that, if that, <laughs> that tells you anything, you know, I won't talk about him here cause it's not within the range that you had outlined. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about him. Dude. Abram Smith, you know, another converted, you know, like played, played running back in high school, did very well in the state of Texas, goes to Baylor, converts to linebacker, changes back, doing whatever. He's a running back again. I'm a little surprised that his college teammate got drafted and he didn't. You know, like it was – that was weird, you know. And, and Dan, you were down at the Senior Bowl. I mean, like you got to see a little bit of Abram Smith. I mean, like I know – like we we talked about it when you came on my show. And like Mm -hmm. I don't know. He was impressive enough. I kind of figured he was going to get drafted. But like going to the New Orleans Saints, I mean, like, geez, anybody who, you know, watched Thanksgiving football last year can – I mean – Oh, see, anybody, oh, I know I'm one of these people. I'm one of these people. I trusted it. I was like, oh, Tony Jones. Okay, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Horrible. And then, like, Mark Ingram's, you know, getting close to, you know, I mean, like, AARP's probably mailing him a lot of, you know, <laughs> catalogs and stuff. So it's like, behind Alvin Kamara, it is wide open. And, like, I get that it's a UDFA deal. It's nothing particularly inspiring, but, like, Abram Smith, dude, I'm I'm willing to like. And we were talking before about you know, kind of like you know, Justin Ross. Maybe that could be an interesting thing that you could use with your last pick. On my last pick, in as many of the drafts as I'm going to be in, is probably going to be Abram Smith if I can help it. Love it, love it, Dan. Uh, kind of to sum up the next question. I mean, is there any uh, kind of feeding off of what Herms was saying? Is there any later round guy? you know 40s and 50s that you're really really kind of intrigued by um a couple of guys uh i'm just gonna name two uh one is uh kate otten in tampa i think that uh you know there's a good chance that he's going to uh whether or not gronk comes back uh is, is is a big question but you know they lost gronk so far they lost oj howard uh, and Chris Godwin's banged up. So there is a chance for him to, you know, start, uh, not start, but like receive some, some playing time early. So I'd lo- love to see, you know, how, how he does there. Uh, and then the other one is uh, Isaiah Pachenko, the, uh, the mm. Rutgers running back. Uh, he went to KC, which we all know, everyone goes crazy when everyone gets drafted to KC because it's like the, you know, the, the, the Eden of, of fantasy football. But, um, but you know, I really enjoy watching him. You know, I saw him a lot. You know, I went to every Rutgers home game, unfortunately, uh, and I saw him. I saw him play there, and he was he was a really good back. You know, the Rutgers offense was just horrendous. They didn't have a quarterback, uh, so I think that you know he he. I think it was a shame that he didn't get drafted as high as maybe he should have uh, been. 
but I think he has definitely has the talent uh, to, you know, make some noise in that backfield that, you know, after CEH, you know, there's a couple of guys, but I think that, you know, give him a little time in, in, in the offense and he can, he can surprise some people. No, I love it. And I, and I love the last name Pacheco because it's a Latino name. So we need, you know, we're, we're not, we don't have a lot of representation in the NFL other than <laughs> kickers and offensive line, occasional offensive linemen. Thank you, Anthony Munoz. Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, Herms, I, I'm gonna. This one's this one's for both of you. Is there any player you're targeting in every draft? George Pickens, wide receiver, now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> like, I oh man, and honestly, it was so awkward that they had Chase Claypool go out there to announce that pick because I was just like, how does it feel to read the name of your possible eventual replacement? And I've seen a lot of people talk about this, and I think that there are a lot of fair arguments to you know throw out there for why the pick was made because it's just like you know Trent Balky ruining the wide receiver market I mean who knows what's going to end up happening with Deontay Johnson as he is now walking into the last year of his rookie deal I feel pretty optimistic that the team's going to re-sign him though I mean I, I, I he he's he's worth he, he, 20 million dollars a year is not too much for Deontay Johnson in my humble opinion everything that I've seen out of watching him I mean I, I referenced it earlier I mean everything he's been able to do so far in his career with that level of quarterback play shows you exactly how good he could be assuming that Kenny Pickett ends up being something really good so there's that but like the Steelers have that type of receiver they like to take we've seen it time and time again over the course of my entire lifetime watching the Pittsburgh Steelers I know the type you know they go for those guys you know little taller but they got that speed they got that you know going for them but then also they're not afraid to take chances on some guys that have some red flags you know and you know worst case scenario honestly like assuming like you know because and there's like you know there's plenty of you know highlights or i don't know maybe low lights of george pickens you know just like you know like fighting dudes in the end zone and just like you know it's like as soon as the ball is snapped just pushing a guy on the ground and just you know kind of you know, getting all macho with it. But, like, worst case scenario, it's Martavis Bryant, which was still somebody who had flashes of relevancy in Pittsburgh there for a little bit. So, like, it, you know, you're not going to get burned too bad if that ends up happening. But, like, assuming he can, you know, get things worked out for him, I mean, like, geez, you know, like, it was a little bit of a, you know, lazy kind of, you know, scouting the helmet comparison by a lot of people, you know, including myself, but I'm going to stand by it. If you squint, you can see a little bit of AJ green, you know, like that's something yeah. that's pretty interesting. And also, you know, tying it back full circle. Oh, look at me. Oh, so, wow, I'm good at this. Wow. Uh, Kenny Pickett, you know, with the whole maybe realistic middle ground for his career being an Andy Dalton. I thought Andy Dalton and AJ green were pretty oh, darn wow. good there for a while in Cincinnati. Like, honestly, like fitting two players together in this offense that can do that type of work. I mean, honestly, like what, what what's not to like you know like yes i understand the risk is involved but if it works i think claypool is the likeliest to move on of the bunch because you know like this idea is like oh well you know pickens is just going to replace deontay johnson and then it's going to be claypool and it's like pickens and claypool don't really work as the duo in that system schematically it just doesn't make a lot of sense i don't understand where people really drew that conclusion from but hey i'm not going to tell anybody how to live their life just being a Steelers fan, knowing how this team works, like this is a tremendous opportunity. And honestly, Pickens, if he had stayed healthy and didn't have some of those character concerns that some people, I'm not worried about it, but some other people are. In a world where none of that happened, I mean, like this guy, I mean, he would have been maybe 
what the third or fourth receiver off the board? Like he's great. He's Greg Cosell's number one receiver. Yeah, like this, yeah, yeah. This guy's incredible. There's honestly everybody out there. Listen to me. Look at Herms. Just draft George Pickens. Do it. <laughs> every team, all of them, every single one. Be like me. Do it. Just not in her, just not any drafts with your when Herms. Oh, not not with me. Not no 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 no. <laughs> any other? I have to write that down because I need a couple of drafts with Herms now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> better not do it, man. You better not. I promise. Whoever you're gonna say, I'll stay away from. Okay, deal. You can yeah. stay with George Pickens. All right. Okay. <laughs> How about you, uh, Dan? No, for me, I'm taking uh, Damian Pierce. You know, I just uh, I I got my uh, my dynasty. You know, uh, he's my running back number three right now. Uh, after Hall and, and Walker, you know, as I said before, I pretty much covered it. You know, it goes into you know the best situation for a running back. There's no one really realistic to to uh, you know uh, seed work to in that offense. You know, they, Davis Mills is developing. They drafted you know Mechie to go along with Cooks and Collins. They drafted an offensive lineman in Kenyon Green. So you know they're investing in their offense. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what, what that looks like, uh, you know, going into the year two with uh, with Davis Mills. So I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely going to uh, pick uh, Damian Pierce uh, literally everywhere. I love I'll it. Pickens, and I'll, I'll take George Pickens and then Herms can take Pierce and then we'll just trade after the draft. There we go. Yeah, there it is. All right. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bless me, my brother, me, hermanos, for I have sinned. I actually passed on Pierce uh, in our in our 20 team dynasty league uh, at number 15. And I took Desmond Ritter instead because I thought there was going to be a run on quarterbacks. And, you know, it's, a, you know, 20 teams quarterbacks are yeah. pretty, pretty, I don't uh, I don't pretty important. But man, Friend of the friend of the yeah. show, amigo of the show, Sam Wagman took took did not wait. I think he I think I don't think he waited two minutes to take Pierce right after me. So I, I know he's he's gonna owe me some beers in Canton for uh, giving him that gift. So uh, my mine the uh, uh, I'm not gonna elaborate because Herms you already gave gave a great Tyler Algier. That's that that that's the one. I, I uh, number two. And if I could still get him at that point, I just I think that's too good a that that's too good a price. And I think he, I, I've already heard him, Dan, just previewing a question that we got still got coming up is he he's a target in zero RB. So, uh, but, uh, and, and I mean, yeah, that one. But and who? So speaking of which, Dan, who are you targeting with your as you are one of the gurus of zero RB <laughs> in my well, world? Uh, thankfully, we've talked about a couple of these guys, so I'm definitely you know targeting Algier. Uh, especially where he's going um, in in these drafts. If he's going as low uh, as, you know, as the 27th ranked guy, then that's a, like a smash for me there. Uh, obviously, Damian Pierce, you know, going where he's going as well. Uh, and then one other guy that we haven't really talked about a lot is uh, is Amir White. Uh, you know, oh, yes. the, the, the Raiders, uh, you know, declined Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. Uh, it probably isn't like the best move for right now. But if I'm running, uh, you know, uh, a zero running back, uh, then I'm definitely going to, you know, he, uh, a lot of people are scared away by, you know, by having Jacobs in front of him. But, you know, realizing, you know, he had a four, 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 four excuse me. <clears throat> and, you know, he was he was behind, you know, James Cook uh, at Georgia. So I mean, he wasn't, you know, as active as we might have uh, liked uh, to be. And speaking, you know, a lot of people are competent to Michael Carter, which is funny because we were talking about Michael Carter before. Uh, but, you know, if you can get the, that, that type of guy, um, in the draft, you know, as long as he's going as well, that's another guy where you know I'm taking a shot at him and, you know, seeing where where he ends up, you know, in the depth chart, you know, starting uh, next year after Jacobs, you know, leaves. 
Awesome. Awesome. Oh, mis amigos. Uh, uh, we've gone over an hour, so uh, I'm going to see if we can uh, wrap this puppy dog uh, up early, you know, pretty soon. But, you know, this wouldn't be Cinco de Mayo without talking about some spirits. Now, I'm not talking about La Llorona, the, some, of the, some of the Mexican legends that scare the pants off of us, which we will talk about <laughs> on a future show. But um when we talk about the running back dead zone but mexican beers let's talk let's rank our top three mexican beers herms uh uh or if you just have a 101 that's that's yours uh herms i'm gonna let you start oh geez well i mean not only is the beer good but pacifico commercials also have the music of explosions in the sky so i mean just like that combination of things i mean obviously that's wonderful uh i can also get down with some uh tecate that's pretty good i that's it's a good beer and then also um specifically dos equis amber i mean like it's uh you know like that's Mm. as a, a local restaurant you know like love the food doing their whole thing you know like also Honestly, just like the 101 of just like cultural cuisines, like honestly, Mexican food, just like right up there. I I adore it. Uh, but yeah, you know, I will sit down, I will order a glass of the Dos Equis Amber and just go to town on some some tacos doing my thing. But like, yeah, those are probably my three. Awesome. How about you, Dan? Uh, well, my go-to beer is Dos Equis. So I mean, I have oh, to start with yes. it. That, that that's that's my Solid. that's my 101. Like overall, like, that's such a, a nice easy. A beer to drink, you know, you can drink it anytime, summer, wherever. Uh, I like Modelo uh, as well. I think that that's a really a good beer. And, and then uh, I actually tried uh, when I was down in Mexico for my wedding. I tried Soul for the first time, and that was actually really good. I really enjoyed it. So that that rounds out my uh, my top three. Uh, that, that was really that was a perfect like laying by the, the the pool and drinking beer there. So that I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's one that you could just. I, I don't find it very often, and uh, you know, my go to is Pacifico, so uh, which is what I have here. So, salud, uh, yeah. And you guys mentioned Modelo, uh, one out here, Estrella, Estrella Jalisco, which is from the home state that my parents are from. Mm-hmm. So, I, I love the I, I love to sip that one. It's very similar to Pacifico and Modelo, kind of like the lightness, something that you could just drink all day when it's warm. But, uh, how about the tequilas? Uh, Dan, what, what's uh, your, your favorites on the tequila side? All right, so for uh, my uh, tequila. I like, let me bring it up real quick. So there's one I got a couple of years ago. It was, we're at a New Year's party or New Year's Eve party. And my friend actually bought this for me. I had never heard of it before then. It was a Rudo and Technico. It was in this cool, like a uh, luchador bottle. Uh, we all shared drink. It was, it was really, it was nice and smooth, but it was strong. It was really strong. But I, I, I mean, I loved it. It was, it was perfect. Uh, I also like uh, El Jimador Reposado. Uh, that, that's oh, yes. a nice, 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 smooth one. I like to like use that one, you know, combining with the other things that, that you know it goes down really, really, really easily. And then uh, uh, Don Julio Blanco. I mean, you can't go wrong with some Don Julio. I mean, if you you know going to do tequila, you got you got to mention that in there. So th- those would be my top three. Hmm, I, I love it. I love it. Herms, you got any? My experience with tequila is being out with friends and somebody offering it. It's just like, hey, I'm going to buy a you know, round of tequila shots. And it's just like, I never end up knowing what kind of tequila it is. I don't know. It could have been incredibly cheap. It could have been incredibly expensive. I mean, for all I know, I was usually already drunk by that point. So I got to say, I've I've drank a lot of tequila, but my memory of what exactly what is not exactly there. So I will just say, I don't know. Tequila in general is fine. 
<laughs> it's all the, it's a one on one right there. Uh, Dan, you mentioned uh, Don Julio Blanco. We uh, we were at, I was at a memorial service over the weekend, and uh, we polished off a couple of bottles of that, uh, just sipping it, and it was. I, I still don't understand how I was able to function the next day. It was, uh, it, was it, it was really good though. Just kept sipping it like in little doses. It was like, where did the two bottles go? And uh, there's the Don Julio 1942, which if you could ever find, if you, uh, if I've only had it with people who had it where they just grab it from like the back and you know, that uh, it's like, okay, we're only pouring this very, very small and you, you just sip it. Don't shoot it because uh, uh, that one's really expensive. Oh, and an old school favorite is Patron Silver. So, uh, uh, you know, one of, one of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, those oh, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. I love the lighter side, but uh, just uh, the, the, the clear ones uh, a little bit, a little bit easier to sip on. Sometimes even on ice. You got to love it. Well, me amigos, this was a blast. Uh, thank you for celebrating such a festive day, uh, incre- uh, you know, a, a great day in uh, Mexico's history. Viva Mexico, viva Mexico para arriba. Uh, uh, let's let's close up shop. What do you have to pr- uh, promote, Dan? We'll start off with you. All right. So I mentioned a little earlier. I just came out with my uh, overall top, uh, I think, thirty dynasty rankings. I'm going to be doing, you know, quarterbacks, running backs over the next like couple of weeks. So check out that. Uh, we have a show. Uh, every week, every day is draft day with Steffi Smalls, uh, so check that out as well. We have a great time. We actually did, did a rookie mock draft two rounds uh, the other day, and all the uh, fun stuff we're doing over at Champions Round. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Yeah, you guys are killing it. it just they're doing a great job. Arms, mi amigo. Ah, CC. Yes, of course. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Herms NFL. Right there, it's on the screen. There you go. Uh, I tweet a lot of stuff. Sometimes it's about football. Sometimes it's not. But if you just really want to narrow in on the football stuff, uh, I contribute over at Fantasy Pros. That is where you can find my written work. Super fun. And even if I'm not writing, you know, a lot of the photos, a lot of the editing work, you know, I, I, I help other people contribute to their articles as well. So, I mean, like, honestly, just check out anything that comes out on that website. It's a fabulous place. Also, uh, The Lateral Show. It is my podcast where, you know, I kind of just yell and scream, kind of like, you know, I did on this show, but I say bad words. So if you're interested in this type of vibe, but you really want profanity to go with it, I got you. And then uh, (laughs) check out the Debbie Royale. I mean, I brought on as the new podcast producer. I'm bringing my engineering talents to the group. You know, a bunch of really good guys over there. I mean, I mean, come on. You got Jeff Bell. You got Kevin Coleman. You got Christian Williams. I mean, like, it's it's a good bunch of dudes. If you're into the college football side of this stuff and you really want to just increase your knowledge, you know, because, I mean, think about it. If you listen to shows like the Debbie Royale, you wouldn't have to do nearly as much cramming once the season is over to prepare for your rookie draft. So, I mean, hey, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful added benefit. So definitely check them out. You know, it's a YouTube show as well. Find it wherever you can on Twitter at the Devi Royale. You know, it's a super, super great thing. It's, it, yeah, that's, that's what I do. That's how I live, man. You know, go Steelers. You know, go Cinco de Mayo. You know, big fan. Big fan of the holiday. I'm thinking about making some beef enchiladas. I'm not sure. I don't know. Ooh. Like, you know, because I, you know, because it, yeah, and also just very quickly, also. I want to. I want to say, you know, I uh, I went out to Colorado to visit our friends uh, Jen and Neapolville. I got taken to uh, this uh, little local spot out in Denver, and I'll tell you what the the green chili out in Denver. I mean, whew, you got to be prepared for that heat. But I mean, if you can handle it, and you can, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's 
probably the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. I mean, oh. I'll tell you, like I said, Mexican food 101, just like straight up. Enjoy the holiday. Make sure you consume as much of that goodness as possible because there's no better food in the world. Yeah, Colorado, very underrated for Mexican food because, you know, think about it. Colorado in Spanish is Colorado red. So love it. Love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, familia, otra vez. Uh, thank you so much. And um, make sure one more time, go to fantasypoints.com. So make use that promo code familia22, familia22. Get you 10% off on your subscription, including the NFL prospect guide. Help you with those NFL uh, rookie drafts. And again, uh, make sure you're following me at Jorge Martin 17. Uh, special thanks to Anchor for putting our independent podcast out into the Familia community. They got us on Anchor, on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get it. FamiliaFFP.com. I'm going to have some articles coming out to just kind of, uh, you know, kind of close up shop on the NFL draft and start getting us closer to uh, redraft season a little bit and uh, yes. a little bit dynasty stuff. Yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, oh, it's it's so cool. And and remember, Familia FFB at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Estamos aquí para, para ustedes. Otra vez, everybody. Feliz Cinco de Mayo. Everybody celebrate. Celebrate safely. Get home safely because... Todos somos familia. Salud.